Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Jupiter is the fastest spinning planet. This is the fact of. Well, wait, 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 wait. Do, you can't <laughs> sing because we actually paid somebody to fill in for you this week. <gasps> Do we get a theme song? Yeah. Right, we want to hear it, guys? Play that yes. shit. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Factor, your weekly battle of facts, y'all. Alex is the host, not a slack off. Mike's got the facts that'll smack y'all. But don't worry, cuz Pat's got your back, y'all. It's the Factor. It's the Factor. Yeah, it's the Factor. Yeah. Welcome to the weekly fact battle. Welcome to the Factor. That's a great theme song, Mike, and Pat did the lyrics, and Mike found somebody to sing it, and I did nothing. <laughs> you didn't sing. That was all that we wanted from you to do in the first place. <laughs> yeah, we'll at least get like uh, probably 25 net listeners off of this. Yeah, speaking of 25, it's the 25th episode. Happy anniversary, everyone. We finally committed to a theme song. <laughs> well, we, didn't, we don't want to spend all that money if we were going to do 25 episodes. <laughs> That's true. This is the Fact Off, a weekly podcast where we each bring an extreme random fact, and you, the listeners, can decide who won. And who, Mike, you won the numbers. Who won last week? Well, actually, you you started a new streak again, Alex. Damn right. I've been on a bowl lately. I feel like you win every other week. It's insane. What is it? Listeners, I'm sorry, but is it the singing that makes you guys vote for Alex? I don't get it. Well, now that now that he doesn't sing, who's gonna want to vote for him anymore? It's true. I can always sing doing my. I can sing my facts. <laughs> well, my fact today is really cool. It's gonna make you all look like a fool. Oh, just get get on with it. What's your victory fact? Alex? My victory fact today. I just found this out. Was uh, crocodiles cannot stick out their tongues. Really? Well, I, I didn't even know they had tongues. To, That's what to I thought with. too. And I was like, maybe it makes sense that they can't stick it out. I just think it's because their mouth was so long, and this guy keeps going. They would have to have a gigantic tongue to stick it out. That'd be uh, too much. Their teeth are so sharp, they would bite their tongue. I'm sure there's a bunch yeah. of animals that can't stick their tongue out. It already sucks to bite your own tongue, so think of a crocodile or alligator biting their tongue. That'd be nuts. Yep, and that's why they can't. <laughs> well, maybe they bit them off a long time ago. Evolution. Ev- evolution, <laughs> yeah. It's just littered with bloody tongues on the ground. We didn't even Bob so we don't bite our tongues anymore. Yeah, I don't know why my tongue is not shorter. But you know what? It is t- time for now. <laughs> do you wow. know what time it is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're kind of stuttering. I'm worried about you. Do you, do you right. know what time? <laughs> do you know where you're at? <laughs> uh, I know it's time for Pat's fun, fast, spectacular, fun, family, fun, final. Time facts. Yeah. If we ever get a theme song written for this one, I, we have no clue what we're going to tell the, the song. <laughs> it's fantastic. So first up, Andrew Jackson had a vulgar parrot named Polly. I can see that. Uh, do you think it was vulgar just because Andrew Jackson was really vulgar? Yeah. Because <laughs> they... So in fact, they should just read Andrew Jackson was very vulgar and he uh, was a bad influence on parrots and children. That is true. That's true. I would have gave I would have gave him a rated R rating. You should have. His life was. He was NC seventeen. Is that why he was the seventeenth president? That's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> That's not a fact. All right. Um, I learned this from Superbad, but the most common name in the world is Muhammad. Yeah. And I Jesus needs to catch up. Yeah. 
I have a few Jesuses. I teach a few Jesuses. <laughs> um, this one was uh, the St. Patrick's Day fact, but I didn't choose it because I thought it was lame. But since we have so few days in this uh, rotation, the real St. Patrick was born in Britain. I knew that. Um, Good for him. <laughs> I told you these. This week, I'm sorry, listeners. This is why no one's voting for me. It's because it's a fantastic fun factory. Yeah, this is the uh, proverbial uh, weight around your neck. Man, I gotta really. I'm just gonna start finding my own five facts and <laughs> making them all really good. All right, two more. Even the man who created Comic Sans has only used it once. Really? Yeah. For what? Probably a birthday invitation. That's true. And then finally, this is actually useful. Everyone listening at home, put your ears a little bit closer to the speakers. The fuller the fridge, the more energy efficient it is. Yeah, because the items in the fridge retain some of the coldness and help it stay uh, at that temperature. Is that what a saying, uh, divided will warm, together will cold, comes from? Yes. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, the worst fact uh, this week was um, the one about this guy getting born in Britain. I, I totally forgot his name. St. Patrick. Saint Patrick. <laughs> yeah, him, 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 him. That man, the <laughs> What has he done for me lately? And since I am your winner, I get to pick the order that we go. And I'll go first this time. So, today I was watching Finding Dory. Not that good of a movie. It's alright. It's not the worst. It's not the worst. But at one point, they're talking to a clam. And he has a pearl. And I was like, What's, what the hell's a pearl? What is it? It's a thing inside clams. Exactly. That's my you, fact. You have exp- expensive <laughs> necklaces. People get robbed for them all the time. I think it yeah. killed Batman's mom. That's true. That, that's true. That gives my fact. All right, Mike, you're up. No, um, so pretty much what a, a pearl is a word we use for a shiny creation that a mollux produces. A mollux being an oyster, mussel, or a clam. Do they all per- they all make uh, pearls? Yeah, but some are more worth more than others. A whole... <laughs> Yeah, some, some are just like shitty pearls. <laughs> we throw those in the trash. <laughs> so what happens is the insides of these molluscs are very sensitive. So when like the mantle gets like scraped or irritated by like a grain of sand or another organism and all, as a defense mechanism, the mollux produces a calcium carbonate secretion called nectar. And this is a way like to fight off that and it... Form, it forms around the foreign object, and it just kind of keeps covering it with this nectar and covering it. I was, like, wondering what word you're saying there. So they're open, something falls on it, they cl- slam shut, and then they turn it into a pearl? Well, if, like, if they get cut or something like that, it seems like it more has to be, like, irritated by it. Mm-hmm. Like, if it cuts, like, the mantle or something like that, and they, as the defense mechanism... They put this nectar, it's N-A-C-R-E, it's called the mother pearl, and then it kind mother of wraps pearl. this thing around it, and it keeps wrapping it around it. So, like, that's what a pearl is, it's just this car- so calcium like carbon. S- scar tissue, sort of? No, because it's <laughs> It's wrapping... a nectar. It's a nectar. <laughs> oh, nectar. Tell me more. Yeah, but like, it just like wraps around like this area in like a ball. Like, it just, like, keeps wrapping it around it. So, okay. like, the longer that it's been, like, irritated, the bigger the pearl is going to be. 
Uh-huh. That's why. So people... like older older mollusks have usually larger pearls. Yeah. Do they only do like one pearl in a lifetime, or do they spit them out? No. No. So, when, like the pearls that people buy, a lot of them are what they call cultural pearls, and they were actually human helped. What? So yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask that. Is, is there a way to like uh, force a mollusk to create a pearl? Yeah. So. A mollusk can't create a pearl until it's at least mature, so like three years old. <laughs> and then... Sounds mature. So like with the cultural ones, like a farmer, I guess, would like cause like that irritation themselves. Boo. He tickles it like, hello, hello. Yeah. And then it takes six to three to four years to produce these pearls. But wow. the thing is, like only 3% of these pearls are actually like used for jewelry. The rest of them aren't that good. What are they... Do they use them for anything else besides jewelry? They throw them at each other. Not, not really. But like, because the issue is like they don't sometimes don't form like a ball that, that you kind of want for your jewelry. So and then each mollusk can do up to three pearls per their lifetime. Yeah. So, hmm. but it's interesting. Those freshwater ones, those saltwater pearls, a little bit differently. Uh, natural pearls are a lot rarer and worth a lot more money. They said like only like one out of ten thousand clams in like the wild can produce like a nice pearl that people would want to buy. Um, what you call it? So, uh, how do you tell the difference between real pearls and fake pearls? Is there's a couple way. The one is real pearls are always cold. Always cold. They don't really. Yeah. So like a pearl is lighter and strong and stronger than concrete. So they don't really hold like heat or anything. So like they're always cold. So if you're touching like a fake one, it's gonna it can kind of be warm. The uh, real ones are heavier because they're like more dense. The okay. other ones are usually kind of beads. Why would you want to wear this cold object around your neck? Because it's rare. It's a flex. Yeah, okay. that's all gems. That's all okay. gems. Oh, that's real things. Finally, and the way I test my pearls to see if they're real is called the tooth test. I was gonna say, do you bite it? No, well, you don't bite it. You take okay. a pearl and you rub it against your front tooth, and like a real pearl is kind of grainy and all. It's not as smooth as you would, like a fake one would be. Mm-hmm. And if it's like kind of grainy and all, it's a real pearl. Ew! Why did they rub it against your teeth? Yeah, I think I'm gonna get kicked out of a a, a jewelry store if I did that. Sir, quit rubbing your teeth on everything. <laughs> I guess like it's like you can like it. You feel it better than in your hands, so it's in your hand, hands, or both kind of feel smooth. Okay. But like the like I was saying, the like the bigger the pearl is, the more it's gonna money it's gonna be worth. The bigger the pearl, the bigger the girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's real fast. You can you guess how big, how much, and how big the biggest pearl was? Forty pounds. Mike, I'm going uh, five pounds. Five pounds. You, uh, Pat wins because he was closer. 75 pounds. Hey. What? <laughs> what? 26 inches long, 12 inches high, and was wor- is worth over $100 million. How big was this clam? I want to know. They guess this Filipino fisherman found this pearl, and he's like decided to keep it as a good luck charm, and just kept it under his bed, and then his house burned <laughs> down, but the pearl was fine, and like they noticed he had this giant-ass pearl. <laughs> It was $100 million. So they didn't have the clam. They just had the pearl. Yeah, he took the pearl out. So it was just like, it was like, it's 
one of those ones that's not like a circle. It's like this big and like a log. Huge. Yeah. Can we all make a, a pact right now? If our theme song what? hits number one on the charts and we make a hundred million dollars off of it, can we spend every dollar we get to buying this pearl? Yeah. Mike, can. agree to it. Yeah, I, I want something under my bed that's not like a, a like a basket full of like old laundry. Wait, you sleep out in a basket of old laundry? Yeah, you never you never been to Mike's house. No. <laughs> Most people use hampers. Mike puts his under his bed. I don't want no one stealing my dirty no, clothes. Like, <laughs> like the storage containers you can put old laundry in that you might wear eventually down the road. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Don't touch my old clothes. <laughs> I just thought the like this pearl like the pearl was interesting. Like how it's made and- Well, unfortunately you were wrong. <laughs> you lost. No, you not guys seem interesting. It's gonna vote. I like it. It's fine. <laughs> I thought it was great. Wait, I saw a video about a pearl necklace. Does that have anything to do with? <laughs> um, what was I gonna say but the name of my fact is make those pearls. Thank you. And uh, Mike can go next. Pat seemed eager, so on the... I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> He needs to bring his niece home. That's true. <laughs> she's she's been uh, getting into things upstairs. <laughs> no, what we... the listener can't see is Pat's niece is standing behind him, just pointing to a watch <laughs> yeah, the whole time. Let's go. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start mine real quick. So, are you guys familiar with the Civil War sub, the H. L. Hunley at all? Nope. Was that the one in National Treasure? If not, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Well, so there was actually a submarine in the Civil War that. Uh, was able to sink an enemy ship. And I had no clue this even... Well, I, I knew this existed, but I was curious, like, what other weird submarine firsts are there out there? Was that the first submarine? So I did some research. Submarine? No, first, that's that's the thing. It's not the first submarine. First and person I'm, to get a boner on a submarine. <laughs> and I'll, I'll actually come back to the H.L. Hunley at the end. Um, but let's get into the first submarine. Well, not physically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what the listeners can't see is Mike is climbing that, inside the first. <laughs> now I'm pointing to my watch to Mike to wrap this up. <laughs> so guess guess how many years back uh, the first submarine was made? Civil War was in the what 1930s, 1860s. Um, we're we're talking 19- hundreds of years, guys, right here. <laughs> hundreds of years. Atlantis, 1300s. <laughs> no, it's 400 years almost. Exactly, 1620. So Damn. if we had this podcast two years ago, we could have celebrated the 400 anniversary. I told you, and you said, no, I don't want to do it until for another two years. Exactly. I should have shared this a while ago, so I, I'm just getting it off my chest. We apologize, right listeners. <laughs> yeah, so you could have had that nice round 400 number, but it's not going to happen. So no, notable Dutch inventor at the time, his name was Cornelius Drebbel. Okay. Um, yeah, he was asked to come to England because obviously at the time the Dutch didn't want to have a submarine. Uh, they they're like, we don't have the money, and, um, and the Dutch are notoriously afraid of water. They are. They are very <laughs> afraid Everyone of water. Knows this. And and King James the first was tired of writing the Bible. Um, <laughs> so he's like, I want to do something else with my time. So he's like, let's. <laughs> I can't read my Bible in peace. I want to be away from as people as possible. Exactly. So he's like, let's design a submarine. I don't know if it was his idea or if it was Drebbel's idea. Um, it was somebody's idea. 
Uh, but what he designed was the first submarine. And sorry, guys, you can't build one of these at home because all the plans were lost. So we just have like the eyewitness accounts of what it looked like. Boo. You think if you read the King James Bible and like <laughs> there's like clues on how to make it? That would be like that Vinci would give code? you reasons to actually read the Bible. Maybe they should say that. Like, hey, if you read the Bible, there's you can build a, a submarine. submarine. That would be the best movie of all time if they found out. Yeah, this. the it's a lot better than the reason I read the Bible to save my soul. Yeah. <laughs> so his design was kind of like um, archaic a little bit. It was a rowboat that was covered with uh, waterproof leather. Okay. And it had little holes where you could stick, the, like waterproof holes where you could stick the oars out of. Yeah, you could stick the oars out of. <laughs> and so they had rowers in there and a bladder system so it could go underwater. Um, and they stayed underwater for upwards of three hours at some point. Oh, nice. And I, I have no idea or what downwards they were doing. of three hours. Yeah, exactly. What were they doing underwater for three hours? Who knows? Um, They're probably bored to death. Probably playing grab ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, the King, uh, King James did go down with them at some point. He was one of the first passengers, so he must have just wanted to... Maybe he was secretly gay and he wanted to <laughs> like have fun underwater. Okay. <laughs> uh, can you... <laughs> what? Now you talk about it, I don't think you can... See out of there, can you? Yeah, I was gonna ask how they how they look out. Was it a well, glass bottom boat? No, it, it, they probably couldn't do much of anything. It was in the River Thames, so it was in a river, probably murky water. So it was more probably just like to show that they could do something like this. It had a snorkel on it, so you know it didn't have like air air tanks in it or anything like that. So um, it was kind of a cool idea for the time but obviously it didn't go anywhere the first three hours must be the longest three hours for people waiting on shore <laughs> like i guess they're all dead like they've been down there <laughs> for three hours like <laughs> do you think they were like communicating out like of the snorkel like they could hear him yelling like hey we're down here still uh we're having a good time I, uh, at least it wasn't a three-hour tour that's true they just sat that's right true. back and <laughs> so the uh next fantastic submarine advancement wasn't until 1855 so years later and this was uh quite a lot a bit better quite a lot quite a, a lot bit a bit better. better yeah it was a 52 foot sub Ooh. and it was designed by william bauer wait Parker. how long was the original i don't remember the uh, length a rowboat like length. A oh it was just like a one person <laughs> boat you just no, go under like the Old rowboats that had like six, you know, six guys. Oh, uh, okay. Anyway, yeah. continue. Sorry for derailing. There was there was no <laughs> original plan, so it, it could have been like a six man or eight man or ten man, uh, but it was a rowboat. Uh, yeah, this one was a fifty two foot sub, and uh, probably a l- lot longer than the the party subs you get at like uh, Subway. <laughs> I don't know how. Now long I'm pointing are. at my watch. <laughs> but this one had some first uh it was made by william B- bauer and it was uh the russians paid for it um and it was the first to have multiple ballast tanks a crude airlock and a propeller that was operated by somebody on a treadmill <laughs> that's kind of fun sense. 
Yeah, isn't that pretty cool? Like, uh, that sounds like something you'd see, like the Flintstones or something. Sounds exhausting. Yeah, I know. Who who wants to be the guy running on the treadmill underwater to pro- to propel you to death? Probably. <laughs> oh, did they die? No, they, no, they all died. Um, this one was actually pretty successful. They had a bunch of trips underwater. How long were they um, underwater? It, for hours at a time. It, it was actually pretty successful. They used it multiple, like tons of times. Um, they didn't really use it for much because it wasn't like a, a military vessel or anything like that. Uh, but one of the strange facts about this is at one point they submerged with a four-member brass band. And people could hear them playing the Russian national anthem from above water. That had to suck to be in like the boat with them. <laughs> it had to be very loud. Was it like the guys on the Titanic that go down with the ship? Yes. Is that where they got it from? <laughs> yeah, well, they had Except seen they the Titanic back. movie in 1815. Yeah. So let's, let's come full circle back to the H.L. Hunley that we talked about in the first part of the show. Um, this was a Confederate sub. It was made in Mobile, Alabama in 1863. Okay. Okay. It had eight crew members, seven of which uh, cranked it, while one... <laughs> what are you doing over there? <laughs> while one person steered. <laughs> There's seven. There you got this whole crew just back there cranking it. <laughs> That's how it went. That's how it traveled. And... How it was designed is it had a giant, like, 17-foot-long spar mounted to the front of it with a torpedo on it. So, like, the, it was the submarine, and then it had, like, a long pole with the torpedo on it. And the idea was they would ram it into the side of an enemy vessel to sink it. That's cool. Which sounds kind of dangerous. Like, wouldn't you sink yourself? No, because they can breathe underwater. But, like, it, the torpedo's attached to you. Yeah, but then you go backwards. Yeah, but I'm 17 feet away. I mean, that's <laughs> Wake not up there, that Alex. far away. Yeah, Alex, you want <laughs> us to tell you a bedtime story real quick? Tell you. All right. Yeah, 17 foot, I don't think it's that long. And, and actually, it turned out to be, uh, you know, the, uh, what would you say, the Achilles heel? I, I don't know what you're trying to say. The Trojan horse? Um, it, the tro- No, <laughs> not the Trojan horse. It ended up being basically the fate of the craft. So, in testing, it sunk twice. So, just testing it out, it sunk twice, killing, I think, 13 crew members, including including engineer Horace Lawson Hunley, the guy that designed it and it's named after. And then, after those 13 people died, they're like, oh, we're going to actually use it in combat somehow, and hopefully more people won't die. So, Or hopefully more people will die. <laughs> Exactly. They died doing what so they loved. Fe- cranking it. <laughs> they did. <laughs> they died doing what they loved. So on February 17th, 1864, seven men started cranking it real good. And this sub got up to a fast speed of, who knows, probably eight knots. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fast. Who knows how fast? <laughs> Nobody could measure it. it. Nobody could measure it. Lieutenant George Dixon was at the ready. He was leading the command, and he had a crew of volunteers. He probably didn't tell them what was going to happen, but they he probably knew they were all going to die. Um, so they sailed into the Charleston Harbor on their mission and successfully drove the torpedo into the side of Sloop of War 
USS Housatonic. Okay. And they sunk the Housatonic, <laughs> but they also sunk themselves. So thus ends. Down they all went down together. Thus ends the unsuccessful story of the first time a submarine sunk another ship. Oh, what's the name of your pack? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we all stump on that one. I know. Uh, what, what would you call it? I'm just going to call it. Um, when subs attack. <laughs> the parapetic coffin. When, when subs attack it is. No, because the nickname of the Hunley ship was the Parapetic Coffin. Oh. I don't know how to well, spell that's that. That's cool. You should have said that in your fact. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to. I'm, I I skipped over it for brevity. Okay, and then, Pat, you can go next. All right. So, I decided for my fact this week to tell a little bit of a love story. You guys ready? <gasps> is it about me? Uh, Yeah. So, <laughs> Carl Tanzler, or as we all know him to be, Alex Maloney. No, Carl Tanzler, <laughs> also known as Count Carl von Kossel, was okay. a German-born radiology technologist at the Marine Hospital Service in Key West, Florida. Oh, Ooh. fancy. Yeah. On April Florida. 22nd, so we're almost up to the anniversary, 1930, while working at the hospital, Tanzler met Maria Elena Helen Milagro de Hoyos, a local Cuban-American woman who had been brought to the hospital by her mother for an examination. Ooh. Oh. Tanzler, apparently... Examined why her name was so long? <laughs> yeah, he's like, what's there something wrong with me? There's so many vowels. He wants to add his name to her name. It's true. So as She a, collects <laughs> lives. Yes. Well, we'll get to something like that. Somebody's collecting somebody. All right. So, Tanzler, as a child, apparently had dreams of visions of a young beauty... beauty and when this, when Elena walked in, she fit that mold. And he thought to himself, this is fate. She is literally the woman of my dreams. I had the same thing, but it was about a TV. <laughs> it's flat. Alex, there's no such thing as a flat TV. Trust me. There's going to be no tube on the back. <laughs> Everybody laughed at me. And we'll be able to lift it. All right. Mm. So, uh... He, he was just madly in love. He showered her with gifts of jewelry and clothing. Uh, he professed his love to her. There is no evidence that she ever felt the same way. And yeah. she she had like, uh, what what diseases she had? She had like... Um, tuberculosis is what you're Tuberculosis. Yeah. That's right. So she had tuberculosis, which in 1930 was a death sentence. And she died uh, at her parents' home in Key West on October 25th, 1931. So he only knew her for a little over a year. Um, so, so her hot body was a cold body. Yes. So you've heard the story before. You want to keep that in? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you've heard this one before, Mike? No. I- I'm not going to spoil where I heard it, but yes, I've heard I- it. No, I looked it up and uh, it's been done, told. This story has been told a number of times. <laughs> it's been done, told. So, uh, Tanzler was so in love, he paid for her funeral and with the permission of her family, he commissioned the construction of a mausoleum for her and he would visit her every night. And apparently, when he visited her, he, she would come to him and say, take me away with you. I don't want to be here anymore. So two years after she had died, he obliged and he took her home. Wait, so he snuck into the mausoleum and took her dead corpse out of there? He carried apparently on a uh, toy wagon and took her home. A video of flyer? Yes. 
Naturally, she's dead, and what happens when you die? You start to decompose. So Tansler, he attached the corpse's bones together with piano wire. He fitted her face with glass eyes. As the skin of the corpse decomposed, he replaced it with silk cloth soaked in wax and plaster. As the hair fell out of her head, he took all that hair and made it into a wig. Um, And then he filled the corpse's abdominal and chest cavity with rags to keep the original form. Yeah, this is disgusting. Yes. This is called love, okay? This is real love. This is not the definition of love. This is a definition of love. Can we agree to that? I don't like it. Uh, we'll, we'll agree to disagree. We'll let the fans disagree. Oh, wait, disagree. Well, <laughs> yeah. Mike, my disagreement's not enough. The fans also have to disagree. Yeah. And then finally, you know, he had to use uh, this word. I love this word. I don't use it enough. Copious amounts of perfume, disinfectants, and other agents to mask the odor. She, she probably stunk. Yeah. It's a so, rotting yeah. corpse in his house. So he... In April 1933, he stole her body. It wasn't discovered until October 1940. Her you get seven-year run. Yes. But who's going into the mausoleum and checking to make sure the body's still there? Well, no, so apparently there were rumors flying that he had kept a dead body in his house, and uh, some people... How do you keep it for seven years straight? They... Okay, let me go back. Rumors don't get around that Copious fast. Copious amounts of perfume. <laughs> Copious. Not really bothering anybody. Uh, I'm probably bothering her family that someone's, you know, doing stuff. Well, like if they didn't know. There is no... Maybe no. Gotta... <laughs> yeah, when I die, I'm going to donate my body to a creepy man to... I'm going to let the fans disagree with Alex in this one. No, I'm, I'm trying to... I'm saying, like, why, like, it took seven years for them to find out. Well, you probably... Because they like didn't it. have the internet. That's true. You can Google <laughs> who has a dead body in the house. Yeah, who's a necrophiliac? You have to introduce yourself to all your neighbors. Um, so her sister, like, heard a rumor about it, so she confronted him, and they found the body. Um, so then the authorities came, arrested him, uh, they did a whole bunch of psychiatric tests on him, and they found him to be mentally competent. Stable. Yeah, he was stable, he was, like, there was nothing wrong with him. He, um, he was probably just a really good liar. Yeah, well, he, he's, he was a radiologist, and he's probably incredibly intelligent, so he knows how to talk, you know, and, like, trick people into thinking yeah, he's a normal really? person. Like once you read it, like he already did. I'm like, that guy's crazy. <laughs> yes, I think back then people looked the side side eye a lot. Like people did not care about a lot of things back then. You can see. I don't know if it's a real picture or like someone just did a mock up of what it looked like. But there's a picture of like a plastered face. It's 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 creepy. Look it up, everyone. I'm not looking. It'll up. haunt your dreams. Pat, this guy also probably had a lot of money. So I assume that, like... That's probably why he it, didn't get in trouble. Well, there's a reason. Well, why he wasn't insane. Um, You know, so he was took to court for this, and it was dropped because the statute of limitations had passed. So okay. grave robbing have a, have a limit. So if you... Moral of the story, everyone, if you're going to kidnap a body from a graveyard, is just don't get caught for seven years. And then you're good. And then finally, uh, her body was uh, eventually returned to the Key West Cemetery where the remains were buried in an unmarked grave in a secret location to prevent further tampering. And finally, they said that the public mood was generally sympathetic, who many viewed as an eccentric romantic, which people have called me that over the years. So, I'm going to call your wife after this podcast to make sure she's alive. <laughs> you probably should. Yeah. So I call that one the corpse bride. Oh, okay. 
So there you have it, folks. Our, po- our episodes for the our facts for the week. Woo. <laughs> These you are have our three the- episodes for the week. <laughs> you have the Course Bride by Pat. You have the Pentatonic Coffin. Is that it, or what was it? Uh, I just made a tough t- a title because I knew you were going to have trouble with it. Yeah, Mike's uh, titles are just making Alex struggle. <laughs> what is is it? Pa- I, Parapetic. Pentato- Parapetic. Pentatonic is a band. Pentatonic? Yeah, that's like all I was going to say. The Pentatonics, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Parapetic Coffin. And mine, Make Those Pearls. I think I even said that wrong. The Parapetetic. The Parapetetic Coffin. Honestly, we nobody can get this word right. I think it's a word nobody's ever used before before they invented this terrible nickname. Whoever gave this stupid submarine this nickname um, was a terrible making nickname. I gave it that nickname. <laughs> it's me, Parapatic Pat. <laughs> yes, it's such a good name. How'd you come up with it? I was looking in the mirror one day and I saw my name. I don't know. This is not an improv show. I can't do this crap. Cut that out. <laughs> no, give it in. Uh, so go over to fact go to factoffpodcast.com. There's a to vote. There's a link if you open up the the show notes. Uh, show notes. The internet. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the show notes, and you hit the vote button. It will take you straight to the website. Yeah, let's get some votes so in there. You can vote. Yeah. Um, check us out on on the socials: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I saw the Future Jam retweeted us. We love those guys over there. Um, and uh. Have a great day.